1: there everybody it is a wednesday it is the 24th day of january 2024 hope everybody's having a great one Dan ross's show live and in living color you know where you got us right 98.7 espn full uninterrupted vehicle tonight we're taking it right up until nine o'clock then it's gordon and larry larry and gordon we've got harvey We've got Joe, and we'll keep you company for the next two and a half hours. And if you want to get me on the old X, feel free to do so at Dan Gross at G-R-A-C-A. Today is Wednesday, right? So normally in the confines of the football season, this is kind of like that hump day where we turn the page to the upcoming weekend of football. And this upcoming Sunday of football, we have our last more than one game football day of the year. Conference Championship Sunday, you know the particulars, right? Kansas City, Baltimore, Detroit, San Francisco. So we'll give a couple of thoughts or two on the conference championship games, which hopefully are going to be good ones. All the particulars spoke today. This was like press conference day for all four teams and the coaches and the players and the big shots. So we'll share some of that with you a little bit later on in the program. My pal, who I actually haven't talked to in a pretty long time, so it's good that she's going to come on tonight, Cynthia Freeland of the NFL Network. Um... You know, she is a, a, a very successful at what she does, but her roots. Are based back in Michigan, and she grew up a fan of said Detroit Lions, who are now one step away from their first ever Super Bowl in the history of the franchise. So Cynthia going to join us a little bit later on, I believe 8 30 ish, to talk a little bit about the Lions, her fandom, and really, you know, give some thoughts and what she does best with the next gen stats and the data breaks down, breakdowns and everything on these two games coming up on Sunday. So look forward to catching up with Cynthia later on in the program. And if you were with us on Monday night, And Harvey, you weren't here. Joe, you weren't here on Monday. Monday, we tried something. You know, we introduced a new little segment where we touched on a bunch of stories that are maybe kind of like on the outside of the main topics, but it was still fun nonetheless. And I think I got some good feedback on it. People were engaged. People were into it. And we said, we're going to make this thing a regular part of the show. So on nights like this where we have the full vehicle, no interruptions, we're going to make this thing part of the show. So 8 o'clock. We will unveil the new segment. Harvey, you excited about this? You think this is the thing? I'm thrilled. I heard some things about it, and I'm geeked. I'm hyped. You got to be geeked. About only. And by the way, to all the geeks out there, you don't have to be just a geek to be into this segment. Anybody could be, geek or non-geek. All right? So that's coming up at 8 o'clock. We've got a name. We've got imaging. We've got production. I can't wait. So that's coming up at 8 o'clock each and every night here on the program. So we look forward to it. Never
2: heard heard before, by the way.
1: Never heard before. Never heard before. Like, well, let's rephrase that. It hasn't been heard in the last 15 minutes. I
2: don't know what you're talking about. I don't
1: think. It hasn't been heard in the last 15 minutes. (laughs) But it hasn't been heard. Hey, you know what? Stuff happens. Right? Stuff happens. Happens to the best of them. More fallout with the Hall of Fame. I know we only had a few minutes last night to kind of digest the class of 2024, the voters, what they got right, what they got wrong. So we'll have more real estate to work with that a little later on in the program. We'll give some thoughts there. And also, also, this is not one of my favorite things to do, I'll be quite honest with you. But I decided, you know what, for the first time, we'll do it. I'm not the biggest mock draft guy. Let me just throw that out there right now. We're putting all our cards on the table. I'm not the biggest mock draft guy. I think it's silly. I don't know why we need like 57 of them between now and whenever the draft is. Because you can have mock drafts, and there will be mock drafts. Even the morning of the draft that are going to get a lot of things wrong. So nobody knows. But the dean of the mock drafts, the dean of the NFL draft gurus, our good pal Mel Kuyper Jr. of ESPN, he has released his first mock draft. Now, I don't know because I don't monitor it, like how frequent Mel puts out a mock draft. Like, is it once a month, once every two months, whatever. He might only do one more before the draft. Who the heck knows? But he put out his first. And so in regards to the Jets and the Giants, we'll dive into what Mel has to think. See if there's any merit to it, whether that's the right move, the wrong move. Because, look, I mean, Mel's a national guy. He knows his stuff. He knows the players. He knows the teams. He knows their strengths, weaknesses, their needs. But I don't think he's following the Jets and the Giants, as let's say, as closely as we are because they're right in our backyard, right? So that'll be fun to get into a little bit later on in the program. A lot on the table tonight and plenty of your phone calls at 800 919 But we're going to start with little hoops. Little hoops tonight because last night at the Barclays Center, You had the Knicks, spot the Nets, nine-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Right, and this is one of those games that even though there's bragging rights at stake, and even though these two teams are only separated by one little body of water, and it's a short bus ride away, geographically, there might be some bragging rights and some rivalry elements to this, but when you watch these two teams play, is there really and truly a rivalry like... We've debated this a lot over the last few years in particular. Once the Knicks have started to rise to prominence again and have gotten better and have become a fairly consistent postseason team, a fairly consistent postseason participant is the better way to put it. And the Nets, you know, they thought for a while that they were going to be the ones shooting for the big goals and shooting for championships when they had the big three and when they had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden. They were supposed to be the ones, right, the national darlings, All the primetime games, the national TV assignments, and the Knicks were kind of just like, well, they're New York, they're Manhattan, but they haven't really tasted that success. Well, the tide has clearly turned because the Nets Big Three experiment crashed and burned, okay? And they're trying to piece this thing together again. And they're trying to, you know, stockpile some young players and go about building this thing the right way before they feel that the time is right to strike again before they go big game hunting. All right, that's great. But the reality on the 24th day of January is that the Knicks are a good team. Knicks are a really good team. Knicks are a team that I don't want to get too ridiculous, but I'll just throw this out there. I think the stakes keep changing almost on a weekly basis for the New York Knicks in regards to what they can be this year and what they could do. And where this season could ultimately end up. And I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. You probably feel the same way because... To now be 10 games over five hundred, And I get it. There are teams in the Eastern Conference that are better than them. I'm not going to sit here and try to sell you on some notion that they're toe-to-toe with the Boston Celtics. They're not. Or that they're even on the same level with the Milwaukee Bucks. They're not. Even though Milwaukee is still now trying to break in Doc Rivers as their new head coach. More on that a little bit later on. They're probably not even at the Philadelphia level yet. But they're getting close. They're getting close. The Knicks are right now that next team in the conference. Right? You have those three, and then you take one little step down. I don't even know if it's a full step. It could be a half step, like music on the piano, right? Not a full step, just a half step. That's where the Knicks are, and there's nothing wrong about that. Look at what this team has done since the OG and OB trade. They've won 10 out of 12 games, and last night, in a game that maybe Nick teams in the past would have just rolled over in that fourth quarter, and they would have lost. Because we've seen them lose plenty of those games in the past. Plenty. What do they do? The guys that you've come to trust took over. Despite the fact this team was shorthanded. No Isaiah Hartenstein. So you had the other bigs have to step up and play more minutes. The Jericho Sims, the Precious Achuas, those guys holding down the fort. And then you have your Constance and Randall and Brunson. And they give you a performance that you've come to expect on a night-in, night-out basis. Somebody asked me earlier today, they said, you know, if there was a word that you could use to describe, you know, what you saw out of Jalen Brunson and the way that he's playing and Julius Randle, what would be the best word you could come up with? You know what word I came up with? Unfazed. Unfazed. You know, how about a yawn? Because you've come to expect this from these guys. The Knicks have gotten to a point, and, and I know that we take it for granted, We shouldn't, because it's been a long time between success. But the Knicks have now firmly established themselves, and these two players in particular have established themselves as bona fide All-Stars. Even though Brunson still has not made the team, but he will. We know that. And you think about all the clubs growing, like when I was growing up, you know, as a basketball fan, you had teams in the NBA that no matter what happened, before the season even started, you could write down they would have multiple All-Stars year in and year out. You know, Utah was going to have Stockton and Malone in the All-Star game. The Bulls were going to have Jordan and Pippen. Cavaliers were going to have Mark Price and Brad Darty. You know, things like that. And the problem with the Knicks during those times was it was Patrick Ewing and who else? They never really had that consistent, dependable number two guy. He had really good players. You know, John Starks made an All-Star team. Oak made an All-Star team. But they were, like, not really proven number two guys when it came to scoring and guys that you could trust. Now you have that. The Knicks have established themselves as one of those teams that you have two damn good players playing on this roster night in and night out and have been nothing short of consistent. And everybody that wanted to run Julius Randle out of town after the playoffs last year, where are you? Where are you? And I'll say this too. Everybody's expecting like the next big score. What are they going to do? What's Leon Rose going to do? Who's he going to pick up the phone, and who's he going to trade for? You know that there's still another move to come. I know that. You know that. But does it really have to be for the superstar? Does it have to be for that game-changer just yet? Because the more and more I think about this, I'm willing to ride this thing out the rest of the season without the blockbuster trade. I'm not saying that another move... Maybe a smaller transaction shouldn't be completed, because I do think they need that. They need to get some scoring help off the bench. They have to. But as far as going to get that number one, the true difference maker, what's the rush? What's the rush? And what happens if it comes at the expense of, let's say, Julius Randle? I'm just speculating. Is that a move that you want to make? You want to break up the band? Team is playing as well as it's played in years. And you want to alter that. Sometimes if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. You know, like you look at the Nets. Nets tried to go all in with the big three. Kyrie, Durant, Harden. How often did those three play together and appear on the court at the same time? Like how many games did those three play together? Not often. You know, you could probably count on both of your hands. It it was not very frequent. So they took a chance, they rolled the dice, it did not work out for them. And in most cases, when you have those clubs, not all three guys are going to be firing on all cylinders. So there is still very much a risk-reward to the whole thing. But here you got the Knicks, and you got these two guys. And they are constants. You know what you're getting on a night-in, night-out basis with Randall and Brunson. Why not just ride this thing out and see how far it can go? Go get some help off the bench, somebody that could step in and be a reliable backup, maybe at the point guard position. You know, essentially somebody to replace Emmanuel quickly, which I don't think that they have addressed sufficiently enough. You know, you're still missing that scoring from the second unit, what IQ used to provide. You can go get that guy. You know, I did a hit earlier today over my buddies at SNY on the the Ian Begley show, the putback. Which you could look online, their uh, SNY website, the social, all that stuff. And Scott Perry was on the show with us today, the former Nick GM. And one of the names we were throwing out there was Alec Burks. Okay, Alec Burks is familiar to a lot of Nick fans. But Alec Burks right now could be a guy that provides exactly what the Knicks need. Exactly what I just got done saying they need. Help scoring off the bench. A guy who can shoot the ball from three at about a 40% clip. A guy who's played here in New York knows exactly what it takes. A guy who's played for Tibbs knows what it's like playing for the head coach. Which is not always this seamless transition. But lo and behold, you might have that. Now that's just one name I'm throwing out there. But that's what I'm looking at right now. That's where this team should be. And it's not a bad place. So if you make it through the rest of this season... Without going out there and getting that superstar player, I do not think that it's a travesty or the end of the world in any way, shape, or form, because I still think better days are to come for this basketball team. And the days right now aren't too bad. Team's in a really, really good place. Now, let's talk about the
0: play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
3: This is the Dan Grosser Show
1: on 98.7 ESPN.
2: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
0: Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets pizza. Better because it has to be.
1: Talking Knicks. Big win over the Nets last night. And by the way, you're a Net fan right now. And we'll hear from them a little bit later on in the program, in our brand new segment coming up at 8 o'clock. You don't want to miss that. But if you're the Nets right now, and I understand, look. On paper, I still thought this was a playoff team. Play-in tournament, like seven to ten range. Like to me, that's the ceiling for this Nets team. They're only a game out of that right now. But the way they're losing some of these games, you know, they blew a double-digit lead to the Clippers the other day. Give up a 22-0 run last night. Another significant lead that they let squander. At home in their building, it sounded like Madison Square Garden. Clock ticking on Jock Vaughn yet, or no? And I'm not going to sit here and advocate and say that somebody should be fired or not be fired. I understand that his hands are tied, and it's not an easy undertaking, especially when you're trying to build something from the ground up like the Nets are. But you got to wonder, what's the plan? And I'll throw this out there, too. If you are going to make a change if you're the Nets, should Sean Marks be the guy that gets to fire and hire another head coach? Really? I mean, Sean Marks has got to hire and fire more coaches than J-Lo's been married. Which is what, four? Five? Something like that? I lost track. Is it too soon? I don't think it's too soon. She's she's happy right now. She is? I think so. Okay. I mean, she didn't tell me personally, but I think she's happy. Anyway, apart from that, we got breaking news. Don't we? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what that music means? It means we got breaking news. From the world of the National Football League, I can't say that I'm entirely surprised because you kind of thought that this is where the breadcrumbs would be leading to. From our pal Adam Schefter, Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan to accept the head coaching job with the L.A. Chargers. Go Chargers, go. Maybe he'll hire Schwarzenegger and he could work in the front office. He could be like the team ambassador. Go, Chargers, go. You idiot. So there you go. Jim Harbaugh to the AFC West. Think about it. Jim Harbaugh was a Chargers quarterback once upon a time when he played. So now in that division, you got Sean Payton in Denver. You got Andy Reid in Kansas City. Andy Reid, a Hall of Fame coach. Sean Payton, uh, I don't know. Sean Payton, a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, he's got a case. His name will be brought up in the room, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. But they put so many coaches in the Hall of Fame now that I don't even think are Hall of Fame worthy. So, you know what? When push comes to shove, he'll probably get in the Hall of Fame. Um, Raiders have Antonio Pierce, and now you have Jim Harbaugh with the L.A. Chargers. I'm a huge Harbaugh guy. Huge. I still always revert back to his days when he was coaching the 49ers, and I know that they never won a Super Bowl. But those first three years, when it was championship game, Super Bowl, championship game, I thought his teams were as well-coached, hardest to play against, physical, tough as any team that you had in the National Football League. And then things kind of fizzled out there with him, and then the fourth year was kind of a mess, and then they went their separate ways. But the guys essentially won on every level that he's coached at. You think about some of the steps that he had in the college ranks, right? The University of San Diego, nice Catholic institution, by the way, in Southern California and then up to the farm there in Palo Alto and turning the Stanford program around to where he was getting under the skin of Pete Carroll and the mighty USC Trojans. Then to San Francisco in the NFL. He goes back to his alma mater at Michigan. He finally beats Ohio State. Then he wins a national championship. I think it's scary. I think it's scary for the rest of the AFC, and so you throw the Jets into this conversation because the Chargers... And I've called them this many times. They are the biggest underachievers or have been the biggest underachievers in the NFL over the last decade and change because that team, pound for pound, has had as much talent as anybody and the results have not matched up because they've been horribly coached. And now you got a guy who's a good coach. He's a damn good coach and he can coach my team any day of the week, but instead he's coaching the Chargers team. Jets playing the Chargers next year? I don't think so, right? They play Denver next year from the AFC West, not the Chargers. They're playing Denver. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it's the Chargers. But, hey, those are going to be some battles. He's got himself a quarterback there already in Herbert. They got some other key pieces on that defensive line, like the Boses of the world. Derwin James in the secondary, who's as underrated a playmaker as there is in my opinion. Chargers are going to be a problem, folks. They're going to be a problem. So unless you think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to fall off a cliff, and I don't think that's ever going to happen as long as Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. You figure Kansas City is going to be a playoff caliber team. Chargers are soon going to be a playoff caliber team. That's one less postseason spot that's going to be up for grabs as far as the wild cards go in the AFC. Because of this hire. That is a fantastic move by the Spanos family. They finally got something right. Moving the team out of San Diego was a mistake. They finally got something right. All right, so we'll have more on this as we move forward through the night. But Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan to go coach the L.A. Chargers. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. All right, let's get to some phone calls here. Tony's in the car. He's going to start us off here on 98.7. Tony, how are you?
3: Hey, what's going on? Dan in my man. How is, how is everything
1: going on with you? Tony, you know what? Stayed out of trouble today, which is good. How about on your end? How's but things?
3: This, this, hey, I, I'm trying to stay out of trouble, my friend. So, I was talking to your producer, and once again, we're all on the same page. We need that one more piece, as far as the Knicks are concerned, of Jordan Clarkson. You know, out of first is not bad. And you asked the question, you said, where are all those Randall people that wanted to run him out of yep. town? I am, I am man enough to admit that I was one of them. And my whole thing is, you can't run them out of town unless you got something to replace him. There is nothing that can replace what Randall is doing right now. I just need him to bring it to the playoffs. We go to the game, his nickname is Moody, because you don't know what Moody is going to be in, right? And my other thing is, you know, if you go get that big star, how is that going to affect him? He wants to be such an alpha. And right, right about now, Jalen Brunson lets him do what he do. Jalen don't have no problem with him. So I'm saying right now, if you get that one other piece to come off the bench, I think the Knicks are right. And I don't think Philly's bench is as good as ours either if we get that one more piece. All I, right? What do you think? Tony, that I agree. Game,
1: my friend. I And Tony, thank you for the phone call as always. I mean, we went into this season with the Knicks talking about trying to take this thing one step further. You got to the second round last year. Next step is, of course, the conference finals right now. If I told you that they were going to be able to swing a trade and bring in somebody to help off the bench, contribute scoring, why can't they make a conference finals this year based on what you've seen in the Eastern Conference, right? There's obviously issues going on with the Milwaukee Bucks. There were issues last year in the playoffs, and they got picked off, right? And Doc Rivers, say what you want about Doc Rivers, he has not exactly been a beacon of light when it comes to the postseason in his coaching career, right? So, I don't know if this move fixes everything for Milwaukee. You can't tell me that they're going to be some beast come playoff time. Boston's Boston. Philadelphia, has Joel Embiid has never even been to a conference finals yet. Cleveland, we know they're beatable. The Knicks showed the formula last year in the playoffs. Just get me a guy off the bench that can provide some scoring. You know, we mentioned Alec Burks. Last night, I said Kyle Lowry. Now, I don't know what the price is going to be. Kyle Lowry yesterday got traded to Charlotte. Charlotte has no use for Kyle Lowry. None. He's either going to be flipped someplace else, or he's just going to get bought out, period. And then he's going to become a free agent. Knicks can use that mid-level exception or whatever to sign him, but is Kyle Lowry going to want to be in a situation to where, you know, he's not going to be starting, obviously. How many minutes is he going to be able to play off the bench? Who knows? There's going to be some familiarity in the sense that, you know, half the damn Knicks went to Villanova as well. So they're going to have that bond and be able to tell all, you know, dining hall stories, you know, when they're sitting around the locker room. But Lowry's a winner. And Lowry was a pain in the neck last year against the Knicks when he was a member of the Miami Heat in that second round series. That also would not be a bad move. But you don't have to mortgage the farm to go out and get that guy between now and the end of the season. That's the only point I'm making. You want to do something splashy, do something blockbuster-ish, wait until the summertime. Let's see how this season plays itself out first.